to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you via technology with our online service. For all of you who are watching, uh, I'm glad to be with you um, through uh, this means, I wish we could be together, but it's good to be together at least virtually uh, through the internet. So just thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to jump right in here. We have been doing a series <clears throat> called We Don't Handle Snakes, and uh, we've done this for two weeks, and today I want to continue that series, and I want to emphasize what we do believe in, and that is the manifested supernatural power of God. If you there are at home and you have your Bible and you want to join with me, turn to the book of Acts chapter 4, and I want to want to read verses 29 through 31. This is what Luke records for us from the early church. The early church is praying. They've been persecuted and they're praying. So we're going to jump into the middle of their prayer, and here's what they prayed. Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to tell you a story. The year was 1949. My grandparents were pastoring the Hoskin Avenue Church of God in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was winter, it was cold, and the little church that they pastored did not have central heating. Uh, instead, there was a potbelly stove situated right in the middle of that little church sanctuary, and they would put coals in it or wood, and they would fire it up so that the people sitting in the church could at least have some kind of warmth during the service. On one particular night, the potbelly stove had been lit, and the, there was a blazing fire in there, and the people had gathered together for service when the Spirit of God began to move within that church. And my grandmother, my Mamal Gosnell, was there, of course, and the Spirit of God moved on her. And I am told that at that point she stood up and she went over to that potbelly stove under the, the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit. And she went over and grabbed that hot door handle and opened it up with her bare hands and then took both her hands and shoved them inside the stove and came out with a handful of hot coals and people gasped and some people screamed and they couldn't believe it. And, and my grandmother was speaking in tongues as she's doing this. The power of God is on her and she held those coals up for all the church to see speaking in that heavenly language and threw the coals back into the potbelly stove and threw up her hands and there wasn't a burnt spot 
anywhere to be found. God protected her, and God did a sign and a wonder that night in the Hoskin Avenue Church of God. And the story goes, it's a true story, that that night there were some people in church who were not saved. They didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And because of that incident, because of that display of the power of God in my grandmother, they ran to the altar and that night gave their life to Jesus Christ. I tell you that story this morning because we don't handle snakes. People think of Pentecostals and that we handle snakes. We don't handle snakes. But let me tell you what we do believe. We believe that the supernatural power of God is still manifested in his people today. Here's what I know. The God that we serve, the God in your Bible, the God that lives inside your heart is a supernatural being who does supernatural things in his people and through his people. I think back in the scriptures how God created everything that exists simply by his spoken word. He said it and it came to be. If you read in the Bible, you'll watch how God parted the waters of the Red Sea for Moses and the children of Israel, brought water out of a rock, gave them manna, bread from heaven. He flattened the walls of Jericho for Joshua and the people of Israel. He protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the flames in the fiery furnace. He protected old Daniel and shut the mouths of the lions when he was thrown into the lion's den. He gave Samson supernatural strength, the strength of a thousand men rather than one. He made the sun stand still for the army of Israel so that they could win the battle. He rained down fire from heaven for Elijah when Elijah prayed a short prayer to God. When Jesus walked this earth, we, we, we read time and again how he opened the blinded eyes and unstopped the deaf ears and he made the lame to walk and, and the mute to talk and he cleansed the lepers and he raised the dead back to life. And then it just continued on into the early church in the New Testament. And that's why I picked that particular passage to read from Acts 4. There was an anticipation by the early church, that God's power would work through them, not just through the apostles. This was the church praying. And the church said, we believe that your power will flow through us. We believe that you'll heal people through us. We believe that you'll do signs and wonders through us. We believe that you'll fill people with the Holy Spirit and, and they'll speak in that heavenly language, that supernatural act. God, we believe that you'll do that thing through us. It was the expectation of the early church. Now, I tell you that to say, this. Hebrews chapter 13 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did 2,000 years ago, he is still doing today. He and, he, and he is not just exhibiting his power for his people, he is exercising his power through his people. I want to say that again. He is not just exhibiting his power for his people. He is exercising his power through his people. His supernatural power 
is still at work in the lives of those who have been filled with power from on high. Now, there are some who do not believe this. I've encountered some folks like this uh, rarely, but they're, they're out there. Uh, there. There are more of them than you realize. They're called cessationists. Cessationist. They believe in cessationism. And here's what they believe. They believe that, that the end of the apostolic era, which was about 100 A.D., brought about the cessation or the ending or the ceasing of the miracles of that age. In other words, God doesn't do the things that you read in your Bible and Acts. God doesn't do that anymore. Now, they know God performs miracles. They'll tell you God performs miracles. God has the power. He can do anything. He still does. But God will do it directly. He doesn't do it through people. Okay? But here's what I want to show you. That's just not true. But I remember listening to Perry Stone preach about this years ago. And Perry Stone was having fun with it. Perry Stone was actually mocking cessationists. Here's what he said. He said, in my mind, I can imagine uh, the Apostle John, who was the last of the 12 apostles to die. He said, I can imagine the Apostle John laying on his deathbed. And he said, people, the word had got out that the last apostle was about to die. And, the, and when John dies, there'll be no more miracles. When John dies, there'll be no more wonders and signs. Everybody get to John's house. And he, he said, I could see people lined up for miles. And John's in there gasping for breath. And somebody's got his hand holding it up. And people are walking in the room. And John's laying, they're, they're literally putting his hand on people's heads so that some power of God can flow through John because he's the last person as he's wheezing, gasping for breath. And everybody in line is just hoping. That John will stay alive long enough for God to do something through the apostle because once, once that happens, he's dead. Once he's dead, it's over. There won't be any more miracles. And that sounds ridiculous, does it? It's because it is ridiculous. And I agree with Perry Stone, it is ridiculous. That's not how it worked. Here's the problem with cessationists. You can't, and I've read their defenses, I've read their arguments, and they're weak. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God will stop working through his people supernaturally when the last apostle dies or when the apostolic age ends. You cannot find that in the Bible anywhere. What you will find in the Bible are instructions and commands and encouragements and written words through Paul and the writers that says you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need to anticipate to be a vessel that God's power flows through because God still works through his people, and he's been working through his people for over 2,000 years. The Bible says that the power of God working through the children of God is a dynamic of the church, and it's still true today. Cessationists, I just want to talk about one more thing. The cessationists, they'll tell you that we don't need all that stuff you Pentecostals believe in. We don't need all that. All we need is preaching. We have the word and the word of God is enough. If we just preach the word, that's all we need to accomplish what God wants us to do. Well, that's not true. The apostle Paul would see things differently if he were here. And I know because I've read his words. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
verses four and five. Paul said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Did you get that? Paul said, it's not just my preaching. It's the power of God that accompanies my preaching that makes the difference. Paul said, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yes, preaching is critical. Preaching is important. That's what I'm doing right now. But when a preacher preaches, hopefully this is happening to you at home, okay? The people should encounter the Holy Spirit. The people listening should encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, his life-changing power. And my prayer is even though I'm preaching to you via online technology and an online transmission here of this this service, listen, what I'm believing for is that God's anointing, because it's called the anointing, and I'm feeling the anointing right now, that the anointing translates and transfers to you, the listener, and you sense the power of God. Yeah, I hope the words are touching you and the power of God is flowing through the word, but we need more than that. We need God's power to show up because we have needs and we have situations and we need God to flow and to minister and make the word come alive and make the word active in our lives. We need the anointing. I want to tell you a story. I, this is something that happened to me years ago when I first started preaching. I was still a student at East Coast Bible College, and my parents lived in Florida, and I went uh, home for the summer, and at the River Hills Church of God, which is in Tampa, Florida, they were in need of a youth pastor. This was in the early 80s, and uh, mid-80s, rather, it was the mid-80s, and they were in need of a youth pastor, and so they said, will you be a vol- an intern, rather, youth pastor for the summer while you're home from college, and I said, Absolutely. And James Bird was a pastor. I have such love for him. Any, anyone that gives, gives you an opportunity, you don't ever forget it. And he gave me an opportunity and poured into my life so much. He, I don't even think he knew how critical those years were and God was preparing me for ministry. And so Brother Bird, Pastor Bird, gave me an opportunity to preach one Sunday night. And, and, and I was a young preacher. I was probably 20 years old. And he let me preach on a Sunday night. It was a large church. So that was, that was something to be able to preach in such a large church. And God gave me a message for that night. And I understood homiletics. I understood preaching. I understood that as a young preacher, there were things young preachers did that I did not want to do, like repeating myself. A lot of young preachers will just keep saying the same thing over and over again. And they think they're being emphatic, but they're just being repetitive. And I knew that. And so when I would preach in those early years, I would make sure that I stayed with my notes or gave, preach what God gave me and I wouldn't unnecessarily repeat myself. But that night as I preached, it's as if I couldn't help myself. I kept saying the same thing over and over. While, while I was preaching in this front of my brain, this, the front side of my brain was preaching and the back side of my brain, I was beating myself up saying, stop this. Stop doing what you're not supposed to do, but it's like I couldn't stop myself. And I preached that night about the the power of God that is able to break the power of sin in your life, to break the power and the chains of sin. My Lord, I feel the anointing right now. And I preached that night, and I gave an altar call, and I remember people came to the altar, and about right here, a a sharp-looking couple came to the altar, 
crying and crying out to God and the group of people got around them. I didn't know them. And, and I was down, after I finished preaching, I was doing like we Pentecostal preachers do. I was laying hands on people and praying for people. And I remember praying for them, but th that was about it. I knew there was something going on and the people knew them. And I thought, you know, my best thing I could do is just stay out of the way. God's working through them. Church ended, I went home and my phone rang at the house. And I answered, it was one of the members, one of the leaders in the church, and it was happened to be a woman. She said, you don't know what you did tonight, do you? And I thought, oh, good Lord, what did I do? I thought, did I, did I accidentally cuss while I was preaching? Did I, did I say something wrong? I, I was terrified when she said that. I thought, oh, God, I've messed up. Help me, Jesus. I've messed up. I, I said, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. I started apologizing before I even knew what it was. I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so, what? She said, no, 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 no. You didn't do anything wrong, Chris. You don't know what happened tonight, do you? I said, no, ma'am, I'm clueless. She said, let me tell you, and this is a story. She said, do you remember the couple that came to the altar right in front of you to your right? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. I didn't know them. She said, let me tell you their story. She said, that man was an executive at a corporation, made six figures, had everything. His wife, they have children, they have a beautiful home. They had everything that anybody could ever want in this life, success and positions, all of it, money, material things. They had it going on. But they both got hooked on cocaine and became alcoholics, and it destroyed their lives. He lost his job. They, they, lost, they, were, lo they were losing their house. They were losing everything. He had snorted so much co cocaine that it had eaten out the lining of his nose so that every time he sneezed, his nose would bleed. They were in trouble. And she said they went to rehab, and it didn't help them. And they came out and they said, well, maybe we need to try church. And they went to a church. They talked to the pastor. And instead of praying for them or laying hands on them or saying, let's let the power of God deliver you, he said, I don't know what to do for you. I just, the only thing I can encourage you to do is go back to rehab. They, they didn't think God could help them. And she said, but somebody here in our church knew them and invited them. And they said, well, let's try it. And they came to church tonight. And she said, you preached on the power of God, able to break the power of sin in your life and to set you free. She said, you preach the perfect message. And she said, did you notice how you kept repeating yourself? I thought, oh man, that's bad when somebody points it out to you. It feels even worse. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I know I'm, a young preacher's not supposed to do that. She said, no, 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 no. She said, you got it all wrong. She said, it was God. I said, what do you mean? She said, the cocaine and the alcohol has slowed down their thinking. You don't understand the damage this has done to them. They have a hard time grasping things. She said, but you kept saying them over and over. And she said, because you kept saying them over and over, God was able to get it through and they were grasping how God has the power to set them free and to break these addictions and she said they came to the altar with faith and she said tonight God saved both of them and she said they felt the power of God and they believe God has freed them from the addiction of cocaine and alcoholism and later on we found out it was the case and let me tell you something you just don't get free from alcoholism and you don't just get free from a cocaine addiction it takes a supernatural power power of God. My God, I'm about to shout in this place. I'm telling you, we need preaching, but we better have the power of the Holy Ghost when we preach because that's what's going to make a difference in people's lives. Well, I know it's your home, but I wish somebody just shout hallelujah sitting there on the sofa. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 
Thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit. So we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe God exercises that power through 20-year-old young preachers and through the hands of church people. We believe that. We see it. It's been, it's been evident time and time and time and time again. And one of the ways that God manifests his power through his people is, is through the avenues of the gifts of the Spirit. If you would go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, here's what you would read. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills or as he chooses. I just want to finish this message talking about these gifts of the Spirit. Now, last Sunday, I talked about tongues and interpretation. So we're not going to do all nine. We're going to do seven, and we're going to move fast. I want to talk about them. Number one, the word of wisdom. What is it? This is where God gives you understanding, direction, or a solution that surpasses your mental or intellectual capabilities for a specific situation. It's supernatural. When God gives you a word of wisdom and you speak it, when the situation ends and people walk away, you will, you, you will reflect and, and say, where in the world did that come from? I've never heard that. I've never thought about that. I, where, where did that come? How did I know to say that? It's supernatural, you see. It's the work of God. We see this with Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. A group of people came to him, uh, scribes, Pharisees, and they asked him a question. They said, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? It was a trick question. If Jesus said, yes, it is lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, he, he, then they would have turned the people against him because they were in captivity to Rome. If he said, no, it's not legal to, to pay taxes to Caesar, then they would have turned him into the Roman authorities as a, as a zealot and, and as, as a traitor to, to Rome, and, and he would have gotten trouble. So in that moment, he's, you know, it's a catch-22, but in that moment, Jesus operated with a word of wisdom. And he said, give me a coin, and they handed it to him. It was a Roman coin. And he said, whose inscription and face is on here? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, okay, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. Perfect answer. Mic drop, walk away. I mean, it's the perfect answer. And they didn't have any response to that. They just walked away. They said, how are we going to respond to that? It was the word of wisdom. See, God will give you a word of wisdom when you need it. I've had the gifts operate in my life. I, 20, 20 years ago, 20, it was probably 20, 21 years ago, when we first started High Praises, we, we did some small groups. And there was a particular woman in our church who wanted to be a small group leader, but she was not qualified to be a small group leader. And she came to my office, had a meeting with me, and she was very adamant, very strong, pushy, a little pushy. 
and I was trying to be kind and trying to be nice, and I didn't want to offend her, but yet I had to deny her because she was not qualified. And so I'm, I'm like, God, you're going to have to help me. Under my breath, I'm praying, Lord, just help me what to say here. And all of a sudden, I can't tell you exactly what I said to her, but just all of a sudden, out of the blue, I had this thought. God gave me wisdom, things, things I'd never thought before, and I spoke to her, and I said this, bip, 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 ABC. I just popped these things out to her, and I said, let me, bam, bam, bam. When I did, she, she said, well, okay, didn't get mad or anything. She, it was just a peaceable ending. She said, well, I understand then, and, and, and thank you, and, and that was the end of it. She got up and walked out. When she walked out of the office, I sat there, and I said, where did that come from? I've never thought about those things. But you see, God gave me a word of wisdom. He does these supernatural things through us. The second one is a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information pertaining to a person or an event that would otherwise not be known. In other words, God reveals something to you that you don't know, but that's so you can use it in a situation. Uh, Jesus operated in the word of knowledge many, many times. You could read about it in Matthew chapter 9. Four men brought a paralytic to him. And they, this is when they tore, off, tore up on the roof and they let him down through the roof. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, he looked at the man and he said, son, your sins be forgiven you. He saw that the man had faith not only to be healed, but to be saved. And so Jesus, being God, forgave him. Well, there were some scribes there who, to themselves, in their minds, you know, they probably looked at each other and said it quietly where nobody could hear each other and kind of gave each other the look like, this man's a blasphemer. Who does he think he is? He's not God. Who does he think? And so they're thinking these things. Well, Jesus cannot hear them, but through the word of knowledge, God shows him, the Spirit shows him, he knows what they're thinking, and he calls them out on it. He calls them out. He says, I know what you're thinking, and then he corrects them. So there were many times when God, God the Son, Jesus, operated in the gifts, and I'm using Jesus because other than tongues and interpretation, Jesus uh, Jesus operated in seven of the nine gifts. And the only reason why he didn't tongues interpretation is because they were, they were, they were post-Pentecostal events. I remember a few years ago, a number of years ago now, uh, my brother-in-law was supposed to preach a youth revival, a two-night youth revival in Westminster, South Carolina. He got sick, and the pastor called me and said, Chris, would you come fill in for him? And I said, sure. And so I went up there and preached that night. It was a packed house uh, filled to capacity, young people. I preached that night and got to the conclusion of my message and uh, was about to give an altar call when the Holy Spirit came on me and a very unusual thing happened. I saw in my mind, it was like a black cutout, the silhouette of female organs, like something you would see in a medical journal. And I said, God, what are you showing me? And the Lord said, there is a teenage girl here. This was the information, the knowledge, the word of knowledge. There's a teenage girl here who's having female trouble, but if you will give an altar call for her and appeal, I will heal her tonight. That's what God showed me. I didn't know, I didn't know of anybody there that that fit, who fit that description. And so I stopped. I said, okay, listen, let me tell you what's going on. God just gave me a word of knowledge. And I want to be very discreet. We're in the house of God, but God has shown me like a medical journal, just the silhouette of female organs, that there is a teenage girl here tonight, you're having, you're having problems. But God said tonight, if you would come down, he would heal you. And I could hardly finish the sentence when two women let out a scream 
They were sitting about right here. They let out a scream. It startled me. And they ran out and ran down the aisle and came to the altar and started crying and praying. And some folks got around them. And, and I came down and I said, was that word for you? And they said, yes. And one of them was a teenager. Turned out it was a mother and her teenage daughter. And so I laid hands on them and we, on them and we prayed and said, God, give her the heat. I didn't know what her story was. And the, and the service ended, and that was the end of it. And a, and, a, and a few weeks later, it was a very short time, just a few weeks later, I got a letter in the mail. And it was from the teenage girl. Her name was Jessica. And she said, Pastor Chris, my name is Jessica, and I was the teenage girl that was at the revival at the Calvary Church of God in Westminster. She said, I'm the one that came down to the altar, the one that God showed you had female troubles. She said, I've had female troubles my entire teenage years. She said, it's been so bad that my OBGYN told me that I would never have children. She said, but that night when you gave that word, I knew it was for me and my mother and I came down and you prayed for me and, 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 and we sought God. And she said, I wanted to write you myself and tell you that I went to my OBGYN for my next visit and I got an examination and, and we kind of told the doctor what had happened and he examined us and when he got through he scratched his head and he said I have no explanation I cannot tell you what's going on something has happened in your body but everything that was wrong is now right and you're healthy and well and you're going to have kids something has happened in your my Lord I'm about to shout on this stage all by myself I'm telling you God's power is able to do anything that God wants to do in our lives hallelujah it was just a word of wisdom, but yet it gave her her miracle that night. Then Paul talks about the gift of faith. The gift of faith. This is supernatural faith and trust in God in relation to a specific circumstance. It's just not the regular faith. You know, the just shall live by faith. But this is supernatural faith for something big. And I know time and time and again, Jesus obviously walked in supernatural faith. I think there's one story that bears it out in Matthew chapter 8. He was in a boat with his disciples, and he was tired. He'd been ministering, and he fell asleep. And while they were on the lake, in the Sea of Galilee, a storm came up, and Jesus is sleeping away, but the winds and the waves are washing over the boat, and the boat's filling up with water. And finally, they woke him up and said, Don't you care? We're about to drown. You need to wake up. And Jesus stood up and said, Peace, be still. And when he did, immediately the storm vanished, and the seas went calm. And then he looked at the disciples and said, basically, in essence, why are you fearful? Why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith? See, the disciples had little faith. But in that moment, Jesus had supernatural faith. And God gave him a miracle. I understand a little bit about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, 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 I know that uh, for me, 21 years ago, when we planted high praises, January of 1999, for me in that season, I went through a season prior to that and following that, that I walked in that supernatural faith, that gift of faith, because I had never planted a church. I had even said, I'll never be a church planter. Y'all don't ever say never to Jesus because God has this sense of humor that he'll turn it around. You'll end up doing the very thing you said you'd never do. And I said, I'll never be a church planter. That's not me. Well, God called me to be a church planter. And I just had this unbelievable faith that God was going to do this, that everything was going to come together. It was amazing. It's, it was just a wonderful place to live in where I had such unbelievable trust and confidence in God. You can have that too. The fourth one is gifts of healings. If you'll notice the plural, gifts of healings. I love that 
because it implies that there is a healing for every sickness. It's where God miraculously brings healing and deliverance from a disease or an infirmity. And of course, the Gospels are replete with the stories of Jesus healing the sick. One of the ones, stories of my life that I love to tell, and I've seen God do a lot of healing miracles. One of my favorite is with a woman named Grace Epps. And uh, we used to, years ago, have a choir up here, and we've changed the stage, but Grace was in the choir. She was an elderly woman. One Sunday night, was during a Sunday night service, the power of God was moving, people in the altars praying. It was sort of, it was one of those Pentecostal throwdown services that sometimes we have. And I just remember things were going on and people were just praying and seeking the Lord and coming to the altars. Grace came out of the choir and came down to me and she said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. She put out a wrist. She had a cyst on her wrist the size of a golf ball. I had never seen anything like this. I said, Grace, what in the world? She said, it's a cyst that's popped up and she said, can't get it to go away. I don't know what to do. She said, would you pray for me? I said, sure. And I said, give me your hand. And she held her hand out, and I very gently laid my hand on that cyst. And I prayed and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you give her a healing? Pray the gifts of healings would be in operation. Your power would flow tonight. And when I took my hand off of her wrist, y'all, that cyst was gone. I mean, it was gone. Her skin was as normal as mine. And my eyes got big, and her eyes got big. I said, Grace. What happened? She said, God healed me. I said, it's gone. She said, it's gone. We sat there in shock. We saw a healing miracle. I said, well, praise the Lord. You just need to go back up there in the choir and sing and shout. And you need to rejoice. And she went up there. And, man, I, I had a little praise shouting fit down here in the altar along with everybody else. And we're still praying and ministering. And about five minutes, I looked up at Grace in the choir. I said, is it still gone? She, put, she said, it's still gone. And God healed her. I'm telling you, God's power still flows through his people today. So that's the gifts of healing. And then there is the working of miracles. The working of miracles. I think most people have a kind of an idea of what a miracle is. It's a manifestation of divine power beyond the course of natural law. It's where God transcends or supersedes his laws of nature. Okay? And uh, Jesus performed so many miracles. He turned the water into wine. He fed the 5,000 with uh, five loaves of bread and two fishes. He walked on the water. Uh, he raised people from the dead. I mean, he, he did miracles time and time again. Um, the miracle that I love to talk about, and everyone at High Praises just about has heard this story, but there's, there are some folks watching never heard this story. I'm going to try to, I'm going to give you the short version. It was 2001. We, we had been meeting in T.O. Hannah High School for two and a half years. We had built our sanctuary, and the county said, if you will grade, pave, and stripe the parking lot, you can move in next Sunday. We'll give you your certificate of occupancy. And we called District 5 and said, we're not coming back. Thank you. And we were working feverishly that week to get everything ready so that we could have our first service in June on Father's Day. Well, that week in South Carolina in the summer, usually in the afternoons, we have these power cells, storms that come through, and it rains cats and dogs. And it was slated to do that the whole week. 
Well, one miracle was not one drop of rain fell on this property the entire week. That in itself was a miracle. I drove up one day and I got to the four-way stop right here at the church and the Holy Spirit said, stop and look. And the road was wet this way. The road was wet this way. The road that I'd been riding on was wet. But you could see a two-tone color from that point up to where our property line was. The asphalt was dry on Midway Road. And, and then when you got to our property line, you could see two tone like a line, the road was wet again. Evidently a storm came in the night and God put his hands up and said, you can't touch this. That's a miracle. But the, 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 the miracle of all of that week, we had, so that, there was two miracles. Here's the third one. Somebody said, Pastor, come out here. One day I come out here and I ran outside and the biggest, baddest, meanest storm was coming, you could see the rain falling. You know how you can see the sheets of rain falling out of a, out of a cloud. It was high and it was coming this way. And it got to a pond that was behind our church. We don't own it, but it was on the property behind us. And, and I told everybody in the church, I said, start praying. I ran back out, and I said, God, in the name of Jesus, you got to stop this. The, the workers are out here. It's going to ruin everything. And we watched. At this point, the rain got on the pond. So you could see the sheet of rain on the pond. It was heading our way. It turned and did this, 90 degrees and went this way instead of coming at us, turned and went this way and went down towards the city of Anderson. We all watched it with our eyes. I'm telling you, there is a miracle-working God that can do anything through his people. The last two is gift of prophecy and discerning of spirits. Prophecy is a supernatural and spontaneous utterance in a known language. It's giving a word to the church that edifies, exhorts, and comforts the church. Some people think prophecy is preaching, but it's not. They're two different things. This is a move of the Holy Spirit, and you speak spontaneously, and God gives you a specific word for a specific moment. And of course, we know Jesus was the great prophet, and everything he said was the spoken word of God. The final one, I just want to talk about it, discerning of spirits. A lot of people misunderstand this. People say, I have the gift of discernment, because they, you know, they have intuition, or they can kind of see through things. That's not discernment. The gift of discernment is a divine ability to recognize demonic influence and activity in a person or a situation. Jesus did this in Luke 13. He went to a synagogue. A woman was bent over with, with what looked like some kind of a bone problem, spinal problem. But Jesus discerned that a demonic, a demonic spirit was get, causing the infirmity. So instead of healing her, he cast out the devil. He saw that she was demon-possessed. And he said, devil, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And when the devil came out, she straightened up. See, that was discernment. He was able to discern. I've had this happen to me time again. Time will not permit. I could tell you story after story of places I've been. One time it was on the side of the road. I saw a woman that was, I knew she was a witch. God showed me. I had a supernatural discernment. Another time I was in, in, a, in a Kmart years ago. And I passed a person and bells and whistles went off of me and I turned around, they were demon possessed. I, could, I knew the demon was in them, I knew it. It was like alarms went off in me and I, and I almost went into a warrior spirit. I turned around and wanted to chase them down. It's, cra it's crazy. Uh, but, but I've had this time, in my church, in our church, I've had on multiple occasions, about three different occasions I can think of, I've had women that'll come in with a spirit of Jezebel not connected with this church, but they come in, but they, they have a spirit. They want to control me. They're disruptive. They, they try to cause trouble, and, and God would reveal to me that it was a spirit, through the spirit of discernment, that it was a spirit of Jezebel, and I was able to go to those women and handle it. I was able to deal with the devil in them and say, you're not going to do that here. 
And, and we were able to protect the church because that's the role of the shepherd is to protect the church. Here's my point. And I, I know I've told personal stories, but they're mine. They're the ones I tell. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. The power of God is able to flow through people. And I'm going to close with this. We need, we need the supernatural power of God working in our church more than ever before. I pray for it. I pray, God, let there be signs and wonders and miracles and deliverances, healings in our services and through our people, not just in the services, but God, flow through, throw, flow through the people of high praises. I pray this all the time. We need this. Um, people ask, where are the miracles? I want to see the miracles. I hear about the miracles. I hear about the power of God. I read about it in the Bible. Pastor, where are the miracles? Well, the miracles are here. And if you'll open up your life, God will flow through you and minister through you. I think one of the things that is so important to me is that the millennials, those who are, who've been put in the category of ages 18 through 35, and that's probably now 19 through 36 as time goes on, but 18 to 35 last year, they call them the millennials. Um, they've left the church, the largest demographic in, in the United States and in the world. 95 million people in the United States are, are, are millennials, largest work portion of the workforce, most technologically educated um, they, they have left the church. Many of them have left the church. They grew up in church, but they left church. But what we're discovering is that they're coming back to churches. But let me tell you what the churches they're coming back to. They're coming back to Pentecostal churches. Because they're saying, we grew up in church and it was all form and function and, and they had these programs, but we never experienced the power of God. Nothing that changed our life. And now we're older, we're in college, or we're married, we have kids. We know there's got to be more. We want more. We want a transcendent experience with God. We don't, we don't want some structured service where people are just going through the motions. We want to go to church and feel God. We want to go to church and be touched by God. We want to go to church and the pastor pray for us and a miracle take place. And here's, I know this has happened here and I've talked to other pastors of Pentecostal Spirit-filled churches. The millennials are returning to churches like that. I know they've been coming here in droves. I can't even tell you how many people in our church are following that age group and they come and they come. There are a lot of reasons they come, but one of the reasons is we know there's more and here we know it's real and it's authentic and we want to experience the presence and the power of God in our lives. This isn't the time to stop being Pentecostal, spirit-filled. This is the time to be full-blown, spirit-filled, to operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. People say, well, I'm afraid to operate in the power, Pastor Billy. I'm afraid because if we have the gifts of the Spirit, it'll scare the visitors away. Listen, they knew, they knew when they came to your church, they knew what kind of church you are. If they wanted to go to a Catholic church, they'd have gone to a Catholic church. If they wanted a Presbyterian church, they'd have gone to a Presbyterian church. But they said, let's go check out that spirit-filled Pentecostal church. And they came in looking for something to happen. Don't disappoint them. Let the presence and the power of God flow through you and your people, and you might keep them, and God will do something in their lives. Hallelujah. 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 Pastor Billy, just play, would you please? I thank God for the power of God. I thank God for his power. Hallelujah. We don't handle snakes. Like I said, you bring a snake in this church, we're going to shoot it. Told, told one Sunday, we're going to have a hoedown. We'll pull a hoed out and we're going to cut it down. Uh, we don't handle snakes. But we do seek and crave to be vessels that God can flow through. And if more of us more of us would just operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let God, we would just say, God, here I am. Use me. 
God, I'm, I'm a willing vessel. It, ju- it would just be amazing what God would do in our communities and in our places of employment, in our lives. Let me just tell you this, with this coronavirus going on and everything that's happening, people are hurting, people are struggling. I know some of you are struggling. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have been laid off. Some of you are so, the future is so uncertain. And, and I hope through this series, those of you who are watching this, you've been affected by that. I hope you're encouraged to say, but you know what? It's all, it's all out of my control, but it's never been out of God's control. God is in control. And God has enough power that he's able to work in my life. And he's going to bring us through this. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging bread. So this is the time we need to trust in the power of God. And for some of us who have not been directly affected by this, you still got your job. This is a time where God's power and God's love and grace can flow through you. But I want to close this message with this. I can't get to you. I miss having you in this sanctuary. I miss us being together. I miss seeing your smiling faces. And I miss being with you down here in these altars when you're crying and you're hurting. And I or one of the other pastors or elders can touch you and love you and hold you and hug you and pray for you and let God's power flow through us. I miss that. We're going to get it back one day. But here's what the Lord directed me to do. Right there, sitting at home, I want you to bow your head. I know you're at the house. I know it's so easy to consider this kind of like watching TV, but right now, let's have church. Just have the kids bow their head. Teenagers, bow your head. Right there in your living room, den, wherever you are. If you're watching it, laying in bed, just bow your head. What need do you have in your life? What do you need God to do? God has the power. I may not be able to reach through that screen and touch you, but God can reach down and touch you right where you are. And so I want to pray with you right now. So all over Anderson, the upstate, and God knows wherever else who's watching. We're going to pray together right now. So you start praying. Let the whole family pray out loud like y'all would in church. Join with me. If you need a miracle, if you need a healing, if you need a job, if you need help with your finances, if you're sick in your body, whatever it is, you need wisdom, you need God to direct you, listen, God will do it because God can do it. So join with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel the anointing. Hallelujah. And I pray right now as people are in their homes with their eyes closed and they're praying out loud that your power would come down because God, we can't be in this place to have church, but we are the church and we can turn our living rooms and our dens and our bedrooms into sanctuaries. And I pray the Holy Spirit would manifest right now in the lives and in the homes and the settings of everyone who's watching and that your presence and power would flow and the anointing would come down and that, God, you would touch people as they're crying, as they're praying. God, minister to them right there. I can't put my hand on their head, but God, would you reach down and put your hand on their head or maybe they could just join hands and lay hands on each other there and pray for one another. 
And God, meet the need and come through. I want to get testimonies. I want, I want to get online responses, God, that people will say in the next few days, God answered my prayer. God touched me, Pastor. God did something powerful in my life. The Holy Ghost power showed up and made a difference. Meet every need. God, if there's somebody watching that's not saved, and they've been listening to these stories, and they're like, I want that in my life, but I'm a sinner. Oh, they just... The greatest work of God's power is to save and wash your sins away and change you and God embraces you and accepts you as his child. So if you're a sinner right now, you need the saving power of God. Just right there, bow your head and say, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Please, I believe you died for me and you rose again and your death has the power to make me right with God. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. I'm not going to do them anymore, Lord. I'm going to live for you. And then just throw your hands up and say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. My life is yours. I give you my everything, my all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Well, if God saved you, let us know, okay? We want to know what God did in your life. You get a miracle, let us know. If God does something, send in the praise report, okay, so that we can know the great things God's doing in your life. Thank you so much. I love you. You keep the faith, stand strong. If you need us, please call, okay, email. We, we, you can email us. We're checking the emails, the church email. That's a form of communication, the, the High Praises app. You can give prayer requests, needs, whatever you're needing, okay. Don't, don't go through this crisis by yourself. You're not by yourself, okay. We're here with you. I love you. May God bless you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.